You are listening to the Grace Church of Mabton podcast. This week's sermon by Pastor Adam Copenhaver covers John 1, 6 through 13. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Cole. Who am I? Where? <laughs> where rhetorical question. Who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? Those three questions are commonly referred to as the most important questions that we can and should seek to answer about ourselves in life. They get to the very core of our identity and why we exist and the meaning and significance of our existence. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And we could answer at that simplistic level, who am I? I'm Adam. And I came from home and I'm going to church. And those are, those are easy questions to answer on one level. But of course, there's, there's a deeper level. Who am I? What is it that gives shape to my identity? Where do I find my identity? Where did I come from? What's the source of my existence? Why do I even exist in the first place? Where am I going? Where is life taking me in the end? How is all this going to end up? And how will I know if I've lived life well? And will it all be worth it? These are deep and profound questions. I don't know if you've ever thought through these kinds of questions, but they're important questions to reflect on. And our text today, the passage that Cole read, John chapter 1, our text today speaks to these deeper questions, and especially in our text today, it speaks to that question of identity. Who am I? Who am I? We're in just our second week now in this new series in the Gospel of John. And so we started last week, and if you were here last week, you may remember we said that the first 17 or first 18 verses of John's Gospel are like an introduction to the whole book. The book, the Gospel of John, it's going to be about the life of Jesus, including his death, his burial, his resurrection. But before we get into those stories of Jesus, we have this introduction. And, and in this introduction, John, who's writing this gospel, he, he gives us some of the big ideas, the, the big themes about Jesus, why he matters, and how he speaks to the most important questions of life. And, and the introduction it's kind of like a trailer to a movie. If you've ever watched a movie trailer, it's like two minutes long or something like that. And it gives a few glimpses of what this movie will be about. It introduces a little bit of who the characters are, what the plot will be. And if, if it's a good movie trailer, it will make you want to watch the movie, whether the movie's any good or not. But a good movie trailer makes you want to watch the movie. And that's kind of like what John is doing here in his introduction to this gospel. A few snapshots, a few images and themes of who is Jesus? Why does he matter? What does he come to do? Enough to tease us, to make us want to read the rest of the book to see how all of this works out. So last week we saw in the first five verses how John says, Jesus, he's the eternal word. He was with God in the beginning, he is God. All things were made through him. Last week we saw Jesus is the light. He's coming into darkness. He's bringing life to us who are lost in darkness. That's the good news of Jesus we saw last week. And now as we keep going today in our, in our verses today, that good news is going to be expanded even more today. 
as we think about what does it mean then that Jesus, the light, come into the world, what does it mean to receive Jesus, to believe in him, to become what we talked about with the kids, to become children of God? And that then gives answer to those most important questions. Who am I? I am a child of God if I believe in Jesus. So here's our outline for today. There are three points. They're in your bulletin if you want to follow along and take notes there up here on the screen too. First, we'll look at the witness to the light and we'll think a little bit about John the Baptist because he gets a quick introduction here. Second, we'll look at how the world did not receive the light. And we'll see that many people sadly reject Jesus. And then third and finally, the good news, the focus of our message, becoming children of God. The good news for those who receive Jesus. So first, the witness to the light in verses 6 through 8. And here we're introduced to a guy who we know as John the Baptist. So verse 6, if you've got your Bible open, you can look at verse 6, says... There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this can get a little bit confusing because we're only in verse 6, and already we have two different guys named John. There's the John who wrote this book, who's the Apostle John, and now there's this John, John the Baptist. But you'll notice if you read here and keep going throughout the book, you'll notice that John the Baptist is never referred to as John the Baptist. He's just John, and that's because John, who wrote the gospel, never calls himself by his own name, John. He never uses his own name. So there's only one John actually named in the book, John the Baptist, and then we understand that the apostle John wrote the book. Okay, so we'll try to keep that separate in our minds. When I talk about John the Baptist and then John who wrote this, and there's two different guys. Did you, did you kind of follow that? Okay, all right. So there's two different Johns. So we're talking about now John the Baptist. He was sent from God. We read, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. And then verses 7 and 8 tell us why God sent John the Baptist into the world. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So in verses 4 and 5, we saw this last week, the previous two verses, verses 4 and 5, we saw the light as a reference to Jesus, that Jesus is coming into the world. He's bringing salvation into a dark world. And John the Baptist, don't get him confused. We read right up front, don't confuse John the Baptist with Jesus. John the Baptist, not the light. Jesus, the light. John the Baptist came to tell people about Jesus and to point to Jesus that Jesus is the light with the goal in verse 7 that all might believe through John. All might believe in Jesus through John. That who might believe? All. The goal is that everyone would believe in Jesus. Now that's all that we're told here about John the Baptist. But remember, this is kind of like a trailer to a movie. It's given a brief little glimpse of John the Baptist that will then play out throughout the rest of the book here, the Gospel of John. And so if you were to read ahead, which you're welcome to do, but if you get to verse 19, right after the introduction part of the Gospel of John, verse 19 starts right off into the story of Jesus with this guy, John the Baptist. In fact, if you've got the Pew Bible, you might have a heading there above verse 19 that says 
the testimony of John the Baptist. And most of the rest of chapter 1 is about how John bore witness to Jesus. It tells of how John went around telling people, hey, the Messiah, God's king, he's coming into the world, so you should get ready. Repent of your sins, be baptized, be ready to receive Jesus when he comes. And when people would ask John the Baptist, whoa, you're a pretty cool guy, you're saying some pretty cool things, are you the light coming into the world? John says, no, not me. There's someone greater than me who is coming. We get to verse 29 and John sees Jesus and he proclaims, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's the light, John says. And he points to Jesus. And in verse 35, when John does this, he points to Jesus. There's the Lamb of God. There's the light. We read that two, John had two followers of him waiting for Jesus. These two followers, when they see Jesus, they say, see you later, John. And they go and they begin following Jesus, which is exactly what they're supposed to do. And one of those two is a guy named Andrew. And Andrew then goes and gets his brother and says, hey, you need to come see Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus. His brother comes to Jesus, says, this is the light, and trusts in Jesus and follows Jesus. And Andrew's brother is a guy maybe you've heard of. His name is Peter, Simon Peter. This is how the apostles, Peter, Andrew, how they came to believe in Jesus. It was through John the Baptist bearing witness to Jesus. And this is the way it's supposed to work. Right up front in the introduction, we're told this is how it works. This is what it looks like. It's, it's straightforward. It's, it's easy even. People are in darkness, in need of the light. And when the light comes, Jesus comes, and when you see him, there he is, and then everyone believes in Jesus and is saved. That's why God sent John into the world. That's the way it's supposed to work, that all might believe. But now we get to our second point, and it gets a little more complicated because it turns out not everyone received Jesus. And so this is our second point. The world did not receive the light in verses 9 through 11. The second point, the world did not receive the light. Verse 9 repeats kind of what we've been seeing as a theme already. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Again, here in the Gospel of John, the world is being portrayed as a dark place. That we people in the world, we need light. As we keep, we said this last week, but as we keep reading through the Gospel of John, we find that the darkness he is talking about is spiritual darkness. That sin and evil have come into the world and taken over. That all of the world is under a curse of death. That everything is broken. People are suffering pain and toil and hardship. That death is looming over all of us. We're all going to die and face God's judgment. It's, it's a dark place, the world. And because of the nature of the world... Because of the darkness, if we were to stop and take an honest assessment of those questions, who am I, where have I come from, where am I going, the answers we really ought to give in light of our dark world is, who am I? I'm a sinner, lost in sin, deeply broken, an enemy of God, 
Where have I come from? I've been born into a sinful and evil world, a sinner from birth. That should be on my death certificate. In fact, I one time remember somebody saying, on, on my birthday, I like to do what the Puritans did. Instead of celebrating the day of my birth, I mourn the day I was born into sin. I, I don't know what, what to make of that. But if we took it on, where did I come from? I've come into the world through sin. I'm a sinner. Where am I going to judgment and to death? Everlasting death. That's how these questions get answered when John, throughout his gospel, especially in chapter 3, talks about the darkness of the world. That's our situation. It's a dark and desperate situation. We have no hope, no way of rescuing ourselves, no light. But here's the good news. This is what John's wanting to say in the gospel. Here's the good news. The true light has come into the world. The real deal. The light that can save us all that gives light to everyone has come into the world through Jesus. And yet, in verse 10, though he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He created the world. We saw that last week. He created the world. He made you and me. And yet, when Jesus showed up, people didn't recognize their creator. A few weeks back, I was in a meeting with about 25 or 30 people, and when I walked into this meeting, I didn't recognize most of the people in the room, so I was meeting people for the first time uh, around the room. And then a little while later, one of these people that I hadn't known before I came into the, to the room, he began talking, and it turned out that he was the inventor of a card game that maybe some of you have played. It's the, the second best-selling card game in the world in history. You're not talking about an actual deck of cards, but a card game. So the best-selling card game in the world in history is a game called Uno. You've heard of Uno. Okay, so what is the second best-selling card game in the world that's on most store shelves right next to Uno? Okay, it's a game called Phase 10. Okay. Anybody ever played Phase 10 before? I know a lot of you have because we played at youth group events and at camp and different things. I've played it a lot. And here was the inventor, the creator of Phase 10 in the same room, and I did not know him. I didn't recognize him. In fact, I don't think I had ever thought about Phase 10 long enough to think that there was probably a time when Phase 10 didn't exist and that probably someone came up with this idea and invented it and here he is. Now I have an autographed copy of Phase 10, by the way, which is pretty cool. <laughs> to me, probably not to very many other people. But, but when Jesus shows up, the world doesn't know who he is. They don't recognize him as their creator. And even worse, in verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He came to bring light to everyone, but you'd think that his own people would be the ones most jazzed up and excited to see him first. His own people. This is the Jewish people. They've received all those promises from God about the coming king. They're the ones who've been watching for him. They should be the ones ready to receive him. And yet, they reject Jesus. 
And we'll see how this plays out as we go through the Gospel of John. There will be people who get close to Jesus, who listen to what he says, sees what he does, and then decide, no, Jesus isn't the light we're looking for. In John chapter 3, when we get to chapter 3, John will tell us, here's at least one reason why some people reject Jesus, a major reason. It's because we get so comfortable in the darkness that we would rather continue in our evil ways in the darkness instead of coming into the light, coming to Jesus and repenting of our sins and confessing them before Jesus and turning away from our sins to follow Jesus. And we'd rather stay in the darkness. We're pretty happy with the evil, pretty content. That sounds like work, turning my life around, following Jesus. Because we'll see in the gospel there's an expectation from Jesus. Receiving Jesus means following Jesus as Lord. It means surrendering our lives to him, giving him our allegiance, trusting him with our entire being, turning away from evil, learning to walk in his ways. Not everyone wants to do that. In fact, some people, some of his own people, reject Jesus so strongly that when we get near the end of the Gospel of John, we'll find them shouting for Jesus to be crucified. Crucify him, crucify him. We don't want the light. Snuff him out. Not everyone wants to surrender everything in order to receive the light, the life, the hope that Jesus offers. Remember about, it's been about five years ago now, there was a big story in the news for a few weeks about a boys' soccer team over in Thailand that was trapped in a cave. Do you remember this whole, this whole story? How these, these 12 or 13, well, they were 12 years old, I think there were about 13 boys or so, after soccer practice with their coach, they decided to go explore this cave. And after they'd worked their way back into the cave, it began raining very heavily. The rainy season came early. And these cave, the cave began to flood with water. And some of the passageways they'd gone through were flooded with water. And it turned out they had worked their way back into this cave two and a half miles deep into this cave. And they were something like a thousand feet underground. It was like a mountain. They'd gone back under, underground back into this cave. And so some of the world's best scuba divers and cave divers all started traveling to Thailand to try to help rescue these boys, Navy SEAL-type divers and Special Forces divers and some of the world's most elite divers. And, and they said that this is the hardest diving they had ever done. There's these little tight, narrow passageways the boys had crawled through, and now they're flooded with water, and water's rushing through them, and it's dirty water. It's dark, of course, murky water, trying to scuba dive back through there with the current. And for 10 days, these divers searched and worked their way through this cave system, putting in lines and supplies, going deeper and deeper into the cave. And then there's a video. They didn't know this whole time, are the boys alive or not? Where are they? They suspected they were back in some different caverns back into this cave system. There's video of two divers arriving into this cavern and shining their lights on the faces of these boys. 
and they were alive. They'd found a high spot in a cavern out of the water. And for 10 days, they had been in absolute darkness in this cave, a thousand feet underground, two and a half miles back behind flooded passageways. And so the light, you can imagine, what good news is it when a light comes up out of the water and here's a scuba diver who's shown up. Now that's good news, but then they had a big, how do we get these boys out of the cave now? Just to, once they'd created the trail and the path to get to them, it took an experienced diver about six hours to work their way through this two and a half miles to these boys. And one diver, a very experienced diver, had died already in this rescue attempt. So these rescuers decided the only way we can get these boys out is to give them anesthesia, to knock them out so they won't panic, put a mask on them, scuba equipment and a mask over their face, attach them to one of these experienced divers, and our experienced divers are going to have to work their unconscious bodies out through this system. And it took many hours to get each boy through all these passageways and caverns all the way out. And amazingly, it worked. That was the good news. All of them were rescued. Now, now think about this thought experiment. How silly would it be for one of those boys sitting in darkness in this cavern, lost, without any hope of escape, for that light to show up in their darkness, for these divers, these experienced divers to say, okay, here's the rescue plan. How crazy would it be for one of those boys to say, no thank you. I'm not going to trust my life to you. You want me to go unconscious. Put a mask on me and you're going to lead me out. I'll take my chances here in the dark. Thank you very much. I would guess it was not an easy thing for those boys and for the coach too to agree to this crazy plan. But it was their only chance for rescue. And as it turns out, the very day they got the last one out, Within a matter of hours, it began raining heavily and the waters rose in the cave and there would have been no more opportunity for rescue for them. So Jesus is the true light. He's the only genuine light who can save us from our darkness. But the plan's a little crazy. He's going to die and be raised from the dead. He's going to expect us to give ourselves fully to him, to believe him, to receive him, to trust him, put our lives in his hands, give our allegiance to him, to follow him wherever he takes us. Not everyone will receive the light. And so here we are in these first verses of John's gospel, and it's like a warning to us right up front with the gospel of John. Be warned, John is saying, take care. As you learn about Jesus... As you read the Gospel of John, as you think about Jesus as the light, be warned and take care that you don't become one of those people who misses out on God's salvation because you rejected Jesus. Not everyone receives him. Don't be one of those people, John is saying. Now that's, that's the warning. That's the warning. Be careful that you don't reject Jesus. But then next comes the good news. What do we gain if we do receive Jesus? 
And this takes us to our third and final point, becoming children of God, becoming children of God, verses 12 and 13 now. Verses 12 and 13, these are great verses to memorize. Maybe some of you have at some point. If not, these are good, good memory verses. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What an incredible thing to think about, becoming children of God. When we receive Jesus and put our trust in him, we become children of God. Now again, this is like a trailer. It's anticipating what's coming later in the story. When we get to chapter 3, John, or Jesus is having a discussion with a guy named Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus this mysterious thing about being born again. That when we believe in Jesus, we experience a second birth in a way. A spiritual birth where we receive new life from Jesus. And in that rebirth, being born again, we're born into a new family, the family of God. And it's like we get a new birth certificate. Who are your parents? Well, on this birth certificate, it says God. Who am I? I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. Where did I come from? My life comes from God. I have life through faith in Jesus. That's where I come from. Where am I going? I'm following Jesus, who will lead me all the way to an eternity with God. This is who I am now, a child of God. And verse 13 really emphasizes that being born into the family of God, becoming a child of God, is an offer that it goes out to everyone. The light is for everyone. Becoming a child of God is for everyone. It makes no difference what your bloodlines are or who your human parents are, what's on your human birth certificate. This is a completely different kind of birth into the family of God. Now, this is kind of a shocking thing to think about today, but, but even more so if we think back to the days of Jesus when this, when this was written. Back in that world, back in the first century, your birth, your natural birth, pretty much determined everything about you and your life. Your identity in that time, even more so than today, was tied up in who your parents are, and especially in your father. So you may have a name like Joshua. Well, that's a good name, Joshua. That's your given name, Joshua. But you know, there are 50 Joshuas in your small town, a town the size of Mapton. Which Joshua are you? Well, you might say, I am Joshua, son of Ebenezer, son of Joab, of the tribe of Judah. That's who I am. My identity is in my lineage, who I've been born to. What's your occupation? You know, sometimes we say, oh, I am a teacher. I am a farmer. I am, and we fill in with our occupation. What's your occupation? Well, my occupation was decided for me before I was born because I do the same thing my father did. And he does the same thing my grandfather did. And he does the same thing my great-grandfather did. I was born, literally born, a fisherman, a woodworker, a farmer. I don't choose what I do. I inherited what I do. If you're a woman, well, you're going to be a wife and mother, just like your mother and grandmother and so on. You'll help your husband in the family business. 
And by the way, you may not even get to choose your husband. That may have been decided for you, maybe even before you were born. Where are you going to live? Well, obviously, I'm going to live in the same town I was born in, the town of my ancestors. If I'm lucky, I'll get my own house next door to my parents and won't have to live with them. So you get the idea. In that world, your birth certificate, who you're born to and where, it's already determined everything about your life for you. Who's going to have a lot? Who's going to have a little? What you're going to do, where you're going to go. So this idea now that we're presented with here, this idea of becoming a child of God, it kind of turns everything on its head in many ways. Here there is a choice involved. You get to choose whether you want to become a child of God or not. You get to choose whether you'll take this birth certificate or not. None of us got to pick our biological parents or the circumstances of our birth, but here we decide. And becoming a child of God has nothing to do with the circumstances of our natural birth. It doesn't matter what family we were born into or what our ethnicity is, what our bloodlines are. It doesn't matter if you were born into a rich family or a poor family. If you're born into a Jewish family or a Gentile family, a religious family, we went to church every Sunday. A non-religious family, I never walked through the doors of a church with my family. A family with a mom and a dad who are married and have a nice house with green grass and two dogs and a car and a garage. Or if you're born to a family with a single parent and half-siblings and step-siblings. When it comes to being a child of God, none of those kinds of things matter. That's what verse 13 is emphasized. And there is no difference between any of us. Only one thing counts. Receiving Jesus. That's it. And if you receive Jesus, then you receive the full rights of being children of God. No more, no less than any other child of God. You're an equal child of God. All the blessings that come with being a child of God belong to you. Your sins are forgiven. Your soul is reborn. You have all the hope, all the peace, all the joy, all the treasures of faith in Christ, a full inheritance. You have life and light. It all belongs to you. So if you have the world's greatest pedigree, I mean, on paper, you are the most incredible person in the world. It doesn't matter here. You're starting over. And all that matters is that you've received Jesus and you're a child of God. And if you have the world's worst pedigree, you won't believe how awful my background is. Doesn't matter. You're starting over. All that matters is that you've received Jesus and you're a child of God. Who am I? By faith in Jesus, I am a child of God. If you believe in Jesus, who are you? A child of God. What a glorious thing to say, I am a child of God. Can we, can we, do you think we can say it all together? I mean, it's, it's hard, but I am a child of God. Can we say it together? Who are you? I am a child of God. Yeah, where have I come from? Oh, I've been created by God. The life I have now comes by faith in Jesus. He gives me life and hope and meaning. Where am I going? I'm following Jesus. 
One day he's going to raise me from the dead. I'll dwell with him for all eternity. I am a child of God. What good news, isn't it? What great joy. This is what unites us together as a church. This is why as a church we welcome such a wide diversity of people. The good news is for everyone. Everyone. We're going to see this play out in John's gospel. All different kinds of people. And Jesus goes to them and offers them this light, this hope to become children of God. Just in the first couple chapters, three and four, we'll meet on the one hand, a woman, a Samaritan woman who has that worst pedigree in the world at that time. A foreigner, a sinner, an outcast full of shame. And Jesus says, you're in darkness. But believe in me and you can have light and be reborn and become a child of God. And then we'll also meet in chapter 3 a a guy, Nicodemus, this religious Jewish leader. He has the best pedigree in the world. He's got power and wealth and privilege and status. He's done everything right. He has it all. And the offer from Jesus is the same. You are in darkness. But believe in me and you can have light and be reborn and become a child of God. And that Samaritan woman, she says yes to Jesus right away. She believes and she is filled with such joy that she runs to tell her neighbors the good news of Jesus. A while back, it's been a few years ago, now I had the great opportunity of meeting a young man who had been adopted when he was younger And he was telling me the story of his life. And you've probably heard stories like this as well. But he told of how his his life, his early years, were about as sad and tragic a childhood experience as you could possibly imagine. His family had a number of very major problems. He suffered all kinds of hardships and hurts and pains in his younger years. He finally ended up in foster care, and through foster care, he ended up in a Christian family, and this family worked hard to adopt him. And he told the story of the day of his adoption, and as he told and like relived this day when they went to court and when it all became final and the paperwork was done, and he was officially part of it, and his, family, his face just lit up as he told this story and relived it that he was welcomed into this family as a real son with the rights and privileges of being a son. And his adoptive parents made it clear to him that you are our son, no different than if you were born to us. We'll provide for you, we'll protect you, we'll love you. You are our son. And his name was changed that day to the family name. And then he also described the the celebration. He could remember every person who was there, what they were wearing, the gifts that they brought, and the party that they had to celebrate that there is a son in this family. It was the best day of his life. But we live in a dark world, a world of sin and death. We need light. And here's the good news, that the true light has come. It's Jesus, full of life, 
giving light to us all. And if you receive him and believe in him, then you will become a child of God. If you've never received Jesus and believed in him, then today's a good day to do that. It's a good day. It's always a good day to become a child of God, to have the best day of your life. If you're not sure about Jesus, that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're working through the gospel of John. So in the coming weeks, you can keep coming and looking closer and closer at Jesus and determining for yourself, what will you believe about Jesus? That's why John wrote this book for you and why we go through it. And so we welcome you to keep coming and listening to our preaching and our teaching, asking questions, processing, talking with us. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? And may we all remember this and hold on to this good news, that to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, children who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And may we all be children of God. Amen. This has been a podcast from Grace Church of Mabton. For more information, visit our website at mabtongbc.org.